Brother Michael, I believe what some of the things that you said this morning were very prophetic. I could not help but think as we sung that song, God of the city, God of our nation, uh, to think of some of the ministries here. We have Mac Bear with us today. Would you welcome this man of God, Pastor Mac Bear? It's done so many great things in this city, so many good things in this city, pastoring churches and reaching out and touching a lot of people's lives. And I could not help but think of him, John Blake with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and then Pastor David Smith and all of they do for Meet Me at the Bridge. And would you thank God for what he's doing in this city today? Come on. Amen. Uh, I just I just thank God because I know he is doing some things. And we speak that in faith and we believe in God to do some great things. Not only in the city of Durham, but in our nation. And we certainly need prayer for the next few months and following for what God will do. One of the greatest books in the Bible is the book of Romans, the book of Romans. And uh, Barry and Brother Dan and some have been teaching on the book of Romans and on Wednesday night and just doing a wonderful job. Well, we're getting to the seventh chapter of the book of Romans this coming Wednesday night, and we'll be sharing with you some things that I think is very, very important and very helpful. Uh, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul very carefully lays it out how that man is, is lost, man is a sinner, and uh, how that he needs to be rede redeemed. So that's a problem. God has a problem. That problem is that there's sin in the world, that man is lost, that man is a sinner. And then God had a plan. That plan was, of course, as most of us know, that he sent his son uh, and to redeem mankind. That was the plan. And then there was a power, not only the problem, not only the plan, but the power that God established through the resurrection, of course, his son, Jesus Christ. We're getting to the, uh, this coming Wednesday night, the seventh chapter of the book of Romans, where the apostle Paul is laying out some things, the great struggle. In fact, Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, I was at the end of my rope. You ever felt like you were there? You ever felt like that this old thing, this old flesh is just needs something needs to be done, and it seems so frustrating, and it, and sometimes it just seems so helpless because of the battle. Well, I, uh, Brother Michael helped me with this, so I want you to look at this that we're going to put up on the screen. And first, if you'll notice the circles, if you'll notice inside the middle circle, you have the sin nature. That is the old man, that it's a root sin. And we know that Jesus Christ died and he took care of that sin nature. Sin, the heart is changed. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then you'll notice the other outer circle. If you notice the law of sin, this is where we have to really be careful to understand how God is going to help us in this life. You have the law of sin, that sins of the flesh, and uh, the inner circle takes care of the ju justification, takes care of the old man. We're justified. If you've been born again, you're justified. You're cleansed, you're whole, 
And God takes care of that. But here's where the battle, we don't have, yeah, we've got it there. The battle takes place in that outer circle. And that's where the struggle is. And that's where we need help. And understanding how this works is so vitally important. I've seen so many people come to the Lord really and truly born again, saved, and then the struggle begins. Uh, some people think, well, I'm saved. I'm not supposed to struggle with all the sins and all these things in my life. I think the closer we get to God and the more spiritual we get, if we're not careful, we'll have even more struggling struggles. But we find that something is happening in our life, and that's where sanctification takes place. Amen. And that's what we need to work on. And I'll lay out some wonderful things for us this coming Wednesday night. I encourage you to be here and uh, we'll examine this seventh chapter, get a good understanding. Some people says that this was written by, of course, by Paul uh, about people before they met Christ, the seventh chapter. This, some says Paul wrote it uh, before he met Christ. and uh, not, He didn't write it before, but he wrote about his life before he met Christ. And then he wrote about it after he met Jesus Christ, or he's writing it about someone else. We'll find that out this coming Wednesday night. Be here, if you will, at 7 o'clock. Thank you for coming. It's good to have those that is streaming with us. We're going to be reading, if you will, from the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes. Want everyone to have a copy of the outline. We have a copy on each side of the uh, sound booth. If you do not have one, please feel free to go back and get one. Just stand up and go back and get a copy. Uh, we'd like for each one to have one. We give those out, but not since uh, the last uh, few months. We've not been giving those out. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And we'll read, if you will, from the NIV, and I'll explain that to you in just a moment. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Look at these two words, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors as which, at which they toll? Notice this. Under the sun. Yeah, reading the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll see that a lot, a lot. Under the sun. And the reason I wanted to read it from the NIV is because the New King James says uh, vanity, vanity, but meaningless. And then Ecclesiastes, uh, I'll get to that in just a moment from the 12th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. But if you'll notice on your outline, communism, Hinduism, humanism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam does not have the answer to the meaning of life. In the Bible and there only do we find the answer to where uh, did we come from, why are we here, and where are we going. What is the meaning of life? Some people's life is about like the chocolate Easter bunny. You ever get one during Easter? How you bite into it and it's, it's hollow. <laughs> Their life is hollow. Someone said that many are filled but not fulfilled. Many are gratified 
but not satisfied. I mean, you're not happy, and their lives are empty. Someone told the story of a Texan, very rich Texan, that when he died, he gave instructions how to be buried. He owned this really nice, big, expensive white Cadillac with the longhorns on the, on the front of the hood. And he instructed the people that would bury him that he wanted to be buried in that Cadillac. So the day came, he died, and they're burying him. He wanted to be sitting up behind the wheel, so he was sitting up behind the wheel. He wanted to have a big cigar in his mouth. He had a big cigar in his mouth. He wanted the speedometer put on 60 miles an hour. So all was watching as a big crane lowered that nice, big, white Cadillac. He's sitting up 60 miles an hour. As they lowered him, one man said, boy, that's really living, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, some people, that's about the way it is for life. That's really living. That person is really living. Well, if you think about the man, the king, Solomon, he was very wealthy. He was very wise, but he was very, very unhappy at the end of his life. As we look at a few verses in the book of Ecclesiastes, we find that King Solomon came to the conclusion that life is meaningless apart from God. Someone said Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon, which is the love book in his younger years. He wrote Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom in his prime. And then as he was older, he wrote Ecclesiastes, which is supposed, and it does, if you read it, give purpose in his old age. Solomon, where do we come from? Many of our young people are taught evolution as a fact, but it is only, I need a big amen here, a theory. Amen. It's only a theory. As one poem puts it, once I was a tadpole, small and thin. Then I was a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey in a coconut tree. But now I'm a doctor with a PhD. And that's about as far as it, go when it goes when it comes to evolution. But the Bible says we are created beings. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. You and I were created by God himself. Amen. And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. I like the way that the psalmist put it, Psalms 139, verse 14. 
I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Where do we come from? God created us. Male and female. And I'm so thankful we just did not evolve that God Almighty created us. God gives us life. And God not only gives us life, but he sustains us. Where do we come from? God created us. Why are we here? Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, searched for the meaning of life and records his findings in the book of Ecclesiastes. He discovered that man does not find meaning. Now notice this. In knowledge, he does not find meaning in riches. You would think so, wouldn't you? He does not find meaning in pleasure, in work, in popularity, in success, or worldly wisdom. I said worldly wisdom. Man does not find meaning in these. He discovered that life, Solomon did, without God is a long and fruitless search for enjoyment, for meaning, and fulfillment. We're living in an age and a culture in a day when people cannot find fulfillment. Running to and fro, going here and there, searching for fulfillment, but they simply cannot find it. Pastor, why are we here? I know where we came from. God created us. What, we, what are we doing here? Well, the Bible gives an answer. Aren't you glad that we can turn to the Holy Word of God and find the answer for our questions in life? Notice, first of all, if you will, we are here for the Lord, Colossians 1.16. Paul says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him. And what? Man will never be satisfied until he understands we were created for God Almighty. Second of all, we were created for his pleasure. Revelation 4 and 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were and created, he says, for your glory. Amen? We also were, were created for his praise. Psalms 102, look at it. Verse 18. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Beautiful songs this morning. Beautiful worship this morning. And you know what that's all about? It's praising God. And you and I were obeying God. And what we were doing this morning, we were created to praise the name of Jesus Christ. I remember Paul Pano. Paul Pano pastored a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he pastored thousands of people way back when uh, the mega church was not even popular. And he was telling the story how I was riding down the road one day and the Spirit of God just began to bless him. And he's by himself in the car and he began to cry and to weep. And he just began to praise the Lord. You ever get lost in the praises of Jesus? 
Begin to honor him and praise him. He stopped at a stoplight and crying and emotional. He looked over the woman and he saw her looking at him and wondering what in the world's going on. He said, I'm praising the Lord. I'm praising the Lord. So if we're riding down the highway or no, no, no matter where we are, we were created that we might praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, God says, whom I have created for my glory, I have found, formed him. Yes, I have made him. We were created for the glory of God. Pastor, I don't know if I'm doing the will of God. Are you praising him? Are you honoring his glory? Are you serving him for his glory? And then we were created. And listen to this one. Amos. Amos chapter 4. Verse 12, therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Why am I here? This is a place of preparation. This is a place to prepare. That's why we go to church. That's why we serve the Lord. That's why we pray. That's why we read the Bible. We're preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ. You do believe he's coming, don't you? Amen? He is coming. He created us to prepare to meet him. And when we do these things, listen, listen at me. When we realize that we're here for the Lord, that we're here for his pleasure, that we're here to praise him. That we're here to give him glory and for his glory. That we're here to prepare for the Lord. Then and only then do we find meaning to life. Where do we come from? We were created. Amen? What are we doing here? To serve the Lord. Yes, we work, we play, we marry, we uh, enjoy life, and that's what God wants us to do, even during the pandemic. He wants us to enjoy life, and Michael challenged us this morning in that area, and God created us for, it, for that. Where do we come from? We were created. Why are we here? To honor God, to praise God, to serve God, to serve others. Amen? And then, where are we going? This life is brief, very short. I want to know where I'm going. My wife does not like to get in the car with me and not know where she's going. She gets in the car and she don't know. She said, where are we going? I said, we're, we're, no. Where are we going? How many of you like to know where you're going? It is very important that we know where we're going. According to the word of God, and I do believe this with all of my heart, there are only two places to go. Only two places to go. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46 says it this way. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. And then you were 1 John 5 and 12. He who has a son has what? Sit out. He who has a son has what? Life. 
And it's more than just this life here. I mean real abundant life that God gives to us. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's just simply that simple. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. I mean, there's no question. But there's only two places to go. The thief hanging on the cross with Jesus. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, what, what a trip. What a wonderful thought. This is not the only life, folks. We have a life beyond this, as someone said, veil of tears. God has prepared us a place. I go to prepare you a place, and Jesus said, if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That we're what? I am. You may be also. It's a beautiful place. Heaven. Just, just the words, heaven. And there's another place. There's another scripture. It's found in St. Luke. It's about a rich man. He died and in hell. He lifted up his eyes. He did go to hell because he was rich. You can be rich and still go to heaven. You can be poor and go to hell. But when you reject Jesus Christ, you have no place in heaven. When you deny him, when you fail to accept him as your personal savior. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Torment. Preacher, you believe all that stuff about hell. You believe all that stuff about heaven. You know, there's some people that believe when you die, you go to purgatory. I'd like to think I had power to pray someone out of purgatory. I don't think I do. But they believe they go to purgatory. And then some people believe when they die, they are reincarnated. They come back as something else. I was in India. You had to watch out for the, for the cows. Couldn't run over a cow. Couldn't kill a cow. Because you can come back as an animal, come back as something else. It's someone else. Incarnation. And then there are those that believe you're like an animal. You just die. And that's it. Not so, my friend. We're either in heaven or hell. Where do we come from? We're created by God. Why are we here? Listen, you can't find fulfillment until you find it in Jesus Christ, in a relationship with him. We're here to praise him, to honor him, to serve him, to live for him. We're here for those things. Where are we going? Simply said, we're either going to heaven or hell. What determines our destiny? Our faith in God, our believing in Jesus Christ, the grace of God. You see, none of us can work ourselves into heaven. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. It's simply through and by faith in the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very, very important. Perhaps look at the life application. Perhaps God is asking you to rethink your purpose and direction in life, just as Solomon did. He said, and here it is, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
Listen at me. Solomon, the richest man, wisest man at that time, and he searched every way he possibly could. His downfall is he married many, many foreign women. He had many foreign wives. And then he allowed those wives to come in and erect gods in the kingdom. He backslid. He just got away from God. Even in his old age, he said, listen, what is life? What is life? One of the most blessed things of my life was when I went to India. I've been to a lot of countries, but India is almost a totally different world. So many poor people, so many gods, Hindu gods, so many gods. And those people are so dissatisfied. But one of the reasons I was there because of Moses Chowdhury. And Moses Chowdhury has been our missionary for now 25, 30 years. And we have helped support him. He says, I was born and raised as a Hindu worshiping the idol gods of a village in southern India. My father died when I was about four years old as he was witchcraft by a witch doctor who was paid by another family member in order to kill my family. My mother and grandparents tried everything to get him cured. This is Moses talking, Moses Chowdhury. They offered the sacrifice of a goat in a graveyard in the midnight hour with the help of another witch doctor. They took him to a mental hospital, Hindu temples, they finally took him to a big temple where millions of Hindus go to shave their heads and give their hair offering to the God of seven hills. After they put me on my parents and all through the ritual of giving their hair and everything, he goes on to say that Needless to say, they cried out to the Lord and he goes on to talk about how his mother would even beat her head against the pillars of the temple asking the God to save them. He says, needless to say, that there was no response from any of those gods. After my father's death, mother, mother didn't give up on those gods but continued to go through the religious ritual by which she believed that she could obtain the mercy of God's for peace and ultimate healing and heaven. Ten years had gone by and I was dying, Moses said, as I was also under the curse of a witch doctor. My mother didn't know what to do. She'd already cried out to God and the idols for her husband. We didn't know anything about Jesus except that he was the God of so-called Western people. And he goes on to say, didn't know anything about the gospel nor ever know any Christians. My mother, however, felt that she might as well call upon the God of Christians. And here's what she said. Oh, Jesus, she cried. I have heard that you were not our God, yet I come to you pleading for the life of my only child that's dying. If you would heal him, I will serve you the rest of of my life. Christ heard that cry and came into our big tile roofed and village fashioned home. 
that night several years ago and heal me glory to his name. Notice what he says about this. I was working, he didn't serve God, I was working for the communist party and going wild in my life in my youthful years and ended up with no meaning of life. Ended up like millions of people with no meaning in my life. I felt that I should rather commit suicide and end up this life that I found no meaning in. That's when Jesus started dealing with me, saying, If you do not want your life for yourself, give it unto me, and I will give you meaning and bring beauty to it and use it for my glory. I was under tremendous conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then I knelt down in my bedroom, crying out to God, and had and turned my life into his gracious hands. As I had accepted Jesus and repented of my sins, I felt that something from another world came into upon me, and a heavy burden was lifted off, and I knew I was totally a different person. He wonderfully surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And that day, and not until then, Moses Chowdhury found meaning to life. My life took a different and particular turn from a beautiful, but a beautiful turn with Jesus in that day in April of 1966. I have experienced real peace. And this, I, the reason I wanted to read this is because he had such a testimony that any of us, most of us could stand or say the very same thing. I had such a real peace, joy and peace and fulfillment in my life through him all these years. Life has been wonderful as I've found the secret of his success through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Has a tremendous ministry in the southern part of India. Today, this ministry, listen to this, has 160 pastors and churches. Great campus. Three Bible schools training youth for the ministry. Three children church homes with 350 boys and girls from orphan, poor, and needy backgrounds. He goes on to say he has a monthly magazine and a television ministry to reach the unreached millions in the 1040 window. This is, I believe, an apostle of God. He's been here in this church several times and ministered to us. We've seen his ministry, him and his uh, daughters and his son-in-laws, and all of these pastors are reaching out to a lot of people that are hopeless and have no hope. Meaning in life? as they come to sing for us. Where did you come from? Tell me where you came from. Were you created of God? Yes. Don't care who you are. God created you. What are we doing here? To honor the Lord, praise Him, serve Him, live for Him. And where are we going? Either heaven or hell. What determines that? Whether we, by faith, through the grace of God, accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior. A lot of people that are living today physically, but they need to come out of that grave. They need to come out of that dead area where they are. If you're dead to, to in your life, if you're not enjoying life, 
And I'm not telling you every moment of your life when you become a Christian, you'll be happy and overjoyed. There are trials, there are tests. But God wants to give you fulfillment. Bow your heads with us. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for this truth of your word. Lord, I'm glad that you can show us, reveal to us where we are. Whether we're like Moses' chowdery, that we are bound, that we're in prison, that we're really dead when it comes to our spiritual walk with you. God, help us to realize what we really and truly need is a relationship, Father, with your Son, Jesus Christ. Touch every man, every woman, every young person in this place today. If there is one person that does not know you, may they say an eternal yes to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. While heads are bowed, let me talk to you just a moment. You see, Pastor, how do I know Get to know Jesus Christ. It's simple. We come to him. We repent of our sins. We talk to him just like talking to anyone else. Lord, I'm sorry of my sins. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. I repent. I ask you now to forgive me. In Jesus' name.